Hello and welcome to another episode of Below the Fold, where gurus are gone, content is king, and where the macro conversions have taken the place of the Facebook likes as the marketing metric of choice. My name is Jacob Perry. Today I'm joined by Brandon Hassler and John Hammond. What's up, fellas? Marhaven. How are you? Marhaba, but close enough. I heard an N when he was pronouncing it. Nah. Marhaben? Marhaba. Marhaba. Is that Israeli? Uh, Arabic. Arabai. Here, let me uh, get some clarification. Marhaban. Yeah, I definitely heard an N there. But I was taught Marhaba. Marhaban. From a Palestinian. Yeah, well, the Palestines obviously don't know their Arabic very well. Mm, I would... Google's ran by Indians, so... (laughs) Yeah, which they speak Indian. (laughs) Okay. And Pakistanis, and I don't know what. Uh... Very bad man, Jerry Seinfeld. Very <laughs> bad man. You guys are racist. Let me introduce you to this episode's sponsor. It's 97th Floor, an award-winning Moz-recommended digital marketing agency located in Lehigh, Utah, and Orange County, California. They're known for driving bottom-line value results for clients like Pluralsight, Dell, and Salesforce. Visit 97thfloor.com. To learn more, let's talk about uh, the episode today. We're going to be covering some inbound 2017 news. We're going to talk some Pixel 2 and some other Google announcements, open office space. And finally, we're going to have a fun little game that neither Brandon or John know about. It's going to be a fun little surprise. Let's get started. I was Seinfeld. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's start with inbound. John, you're the only one that went to inbound this year. Yeah. I went two years ago. I was disappointed and never went back. Give me your top three reasons why you were disappointed. Uh, I only have one. Okay. And what that is, is uh, they weren't organized. They had their best speakers in the smallest rooms. So you had to camp out in order to get... Uh, a seat in that room and then the biggest rooms where they put the lame speakers were like half empty yeah did they have an app while you were there Mm, don't remember probably yeah so they had an app and what you could do is pre-register for classes this year and so you didn't have to stand in lines if you registered for that class yeah i heard that they started uh, doing some like disney type stuff yeah like a fast Fast pass pass. yeah Yeah, so that was nice yeah, so inbound seems to have been better, except uh, I heard Michelle Obama bombed. Michelle Obama bombed it. Uh, <laughs> depends on your political views. Yeah, you either loved it or hated it. So your political views meaning, uh, if like, what? Well, the big controversy or statement that she said that got a lot of buzz was she said, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but she said, Um, any woman who did not vote for Hillary Clinton betrayed herself. Let me see if I can pull that. What was the main talk about? It was was an interview. It was just a Q and a, so a lot of questions. Who who was, who was interviewing her? 
Um, a New York Times bestseller. Let me pull it up. Okay, so was she like the main keynote? Um, she was one of them. They had like four or five. John Cena was the most hyped, I would say. Really? Oh, yeah. Why? Why? Why would that? Why was? Why is that a thing? Why is John Cena a thing? Yeah. Why would he be cool to go to inbound? I don't know. I have a little clip here. Let me let me see if I I can set this up. what i had do you remember that part yeah so it's so interesting how political marketing conferences are getting now like in what world would michelle obama get invited to a marketing conference I have no uh, apparently idea. our world uh when i went two years ago they had amy schumer and aziz ansari were like the two headline kind of the headlines and i mean john cena i mean he's like yeah it's like Aziz at least had a book, right? I mean, he, what, like, uh, how long did John Cena speak? Uh, it was a full hour, and well, they was he by himself or was it another? He Q&A came out by thing? himself, and then they did a thing called Ask Cena hashtag Ask Cena, and throughout <laughs> the conference, you could tweet or whatever in, and they would collect your questions, and then they would have someone ask those questions. I didn't stay for that part. I was so bored out of my mind by five minutes in. I was like, all right, John, stick to the wrestling. Um, honestly, his, his, he came out in a suit and, you know, I was expecting him to come out and like rip a shirt or something like that, but no, he came out in a suit and his talk was like just this rogue speech that you could insert any type of genre, medium, vertical of industry, and it could work. So it was like, you can be inspired and do good things. And then, I mean, he's like, you marketers. And so I was like, dude, you could just say you doctors, you sewing people, you lifeguards. Hmm. You know, it was it was for all terrible. the lifeguard conferences that that are going on. <laughs> but it was so rogue and so written out. What the, what the heck is the point of inbound? Why do people go to inbound? To feel cool. Is that it? No. I mean, I mean you flew across the country. Yeah. And here's John Cena. Mm-hmm. Uh, did he give any marketing advice? No. You have Michelle Obama. Did she give marketing advice? No. I mean, this is insane. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Amy Schumer, she was she was the performer, right? She yeah. just did her shtick. Uh, Aziz, I mean, he's a comedian, so, I mean, there's some entertainment there. But, yeah, Inbound is just getting so insane. Like, Yeah, there was a few classes that I found pertinent to my career, but I would say a lot of it was fluff, and a lot of it I was kind of like, well, could have read a book or something. How many days was it? It was three days. Okay, so Rand Fishkin was there, and he gave a speech or a yeah, talk. Yeah. On what day did he speak? Um, it was Wednesday, so the second to the last day. So the second day, yeah. the middle day. Yeah, middle day. The penultimate day? Yeah. Okay. 
We all listened to Rand Fishkin's oh, talk. Wait. He was last day. I don't remember. Last Brandon, day did you morning. watch his talk, the whole thing? Uh, I watched about 80% of it. Like the first 80%? The first 80%. And you were there for the whole thing? Yeah. Okay, so... You know what was distracting? And as a presenter, he should know this. He's wearing this shirt, which you can't see. The whole thing? So you're trying message. to read it the whole time? So I spent half the time... Just watching for his little suit coat to kind of open. So you could I know piece together. she resisted, but I do not know what that first line was. And it just drove me nuts trying to figure that out. I'm like, why would you wear Like, just come out with the T-shirt so I can see the message you're so trying there, to there was push. a part where he was talking about flying squirrels, and he did open his coat. So well, there you, we could, go. you could have read it. But I'm pretty sure that was before the 80% mark. So. I believe it said, nevertheless, That's she right. persisted. That's right. Nevertheless, she persisted. Okay, so Rand Fishkin, for those of you who don't know who this is, he is the founder of Moz that was once called SEO Moz, and he's kind of the face of the company now. He's kind of a, a digital marketing celebrity, and he is he, he just goes through the speaking circuit and, and on all, in all the big conferences, he's, he's a speaker. And something that I've noticed over the last few years is that he's gotten more and more political. He's a hardcore feminist. He, uh, he's all about making sure that uh, more and more women speakers are involved in conferences. Anyway, Brandon, you kind, of, you kind of mentioned that he's getting harder and harder to listen to. What's, what's the deal with that? Um, it depends. Like, it depends it, on what? It depends on what format he's speaking in I, I still think he does really good whiteboard videos just because they're very actionable uh but i noticed his speeches have become more vague uh with not as much tactical information as they once were once did and obviously rand has like in the last couple of years gotten much more political with um his opinion, or I should say more public with his political opinions. And he like, you know, it's almost like he goes out of his way to try to find ways to like insert uh, certain, you know, political narratives into things that really don't impact what he's teaching or make a difference. It's just kind of, and maybe that's just obvious to me because I've watched Rand over the years. Um, And not to say it's not a bad or good thing, but um yeah, it just seems like he's not as tactical in some of his like more like these inbound presentations. Uh, I stick to the whiteboard rand. Yeah, and maybe so that's because he has a whiteboard to stick to. Maybe his his talk was forty one minutes long, and I kept track of how long it took him to actually start talking about marketing, and it was just under eight minutes. So the very first eight minutes or so was him talking about uh, himself, his feminism. Uh, women's rights, um, how he got bullied in, in, in school when he was living in Philadelphia. What's interesting about that is that he opened up talking about his this grade that he tries to, like he prepares his talks trying to get like a high grade for actionable information. Am I far off on that? Do you remember him talking kind of mm-hmm. about, I, I don't yeah, remember the exact it. language he used, but he tries to prepare his talks in a way that when he gets graded on them, he gets high grades for actionable insights that people can take and and uh, and improve their businesses. So he, he starts out by saying that. And then he goes on for eight minutes about nothing that has to do anything with marketing. And then he kind of jumps into, into marketing. Uh, 
so at that point, it's like, yeah, okay, cut cut the first eight minutes out, and then yeah, there's actually some pretty cool stuff in here where he talks. Uh, one of the things I liked, um, I, I say liked, I I, I liked it because I think it's it engages people in discussion, and that is uh, one of the things he was talking about is how marketers are perceived as non technical people, and how we kind of as marketers even fall into that where we ourselves don't think we're technical because we're not, you know, building websites or doing server side backend stuff. But he gave like a, a long list of things. If you know how to do this, if you know how to, how to do HTML and if you know how to uh, do a site audit and search for technical issues and he went on and on about different things, then yeah, you're technical. Um, anyway, after listening to the talk specifically, were there any things that popped out to either one of you that, uh, that you thought would be interesting to talk about? Uh, I am not, I think I probably missed a lot of the meat by not hanging around until the end to where I'm sure things were tied together. I was listening to it while I was at work and I hit the point where I'm just like, this is boring me. No, it was, no, I, I don't think. In fact, it was kind of abrupt. He like ended and it was like, yeah. oh, it was yeah. like jarring. It, there were, it wasn't like there was know, no tied closure. up in a bow. No. Um, yeah, anyway. So anything else on inbound, John? Would you go back? Um, I mean, yeah, if company pays for it, I'm, I'm yeah. always down for it. You know, Ed Catmull was there, and I want to say one thing I thought was really cool. So he's the founder of Pixar, and uh, Pixar at, at one time was owned by Steve Jobs. And he, Ed Catmull, talked a little bit about Steve Jobs, and I thought it was really insightful what he said. He said, so many people worship the Steve Jobs, you know, and he said they're worshiping the wrong Steve Jobs. And I tweeted out what he said exactly, but um, he pretty much said Steve Jobs throughout his life and his career went through a transformation. And too many people just think and worship the Steve Jobs at the beginning, the jerk, he said. He was not fun to be around. It was it was a bad leader. He made bad decisions. But he said Steve Jobs learned and grew. And this is what he said right here. Let me pull it up. It was the change Steve Jobs that changed the world with Apple, not the Steve that he started out as. So I thought that was really insightful. And it was cool to see someone who knew Steve so well say that, you know, it was a different Steve Jobs that actually did the most good for the world. Hmm. Isn't it crazy how popular Steve Jobs got? Notorious. Made a good product. Yeah, true that. Okay, so that's inbound. There was an announcement yesterday, and today's Thursday. Yesterday was Wednesday, for those of you that haven't learned the days of the week yet. What was it, Brandon? Some are calling it the Apple Killer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Apple killer. Google it had, comes around once a year. <laughs> Google had a conference where they uh, just unveiled a bunch of new products. Uh, What's their conference called? So there's Google I.O., but I don't think this was Google I.O. I think this was literally just... Like Google I.O. is, is for their developers, that's right? like a, Yeah, it's like a big developer conference, uh, which you, I guess you could say is similar to like WWDC. Um, but this one, I don't believe it was Google I.O. It's just they literally had an announcement to make with some of these new products. Um, I don't know what it was called. 
Okay. Well, but, what's the, what's the flagship product that they announced? The big thing that everyone was waiting for was the Pixel 2, which is Google's second version of their phone. And uh looked pretty good. I currently own the Pixel original. Love it. <laughs> the original Pixel. The original. And, uh, yeah, the new ones, it's awesome. Obviously, Did you watch the whole thing? I watched, yes. Well, I, I started watching about halfway in because I totally forgot it started. So but I, I have gone back and watched. So it was more interesting than Ron, Rand's talk. Yes. Okay. So I remember you said pretty much your whole office watched the whole office. Uh, I mean, I Apple mm-hmm. announcements. Did anyone watch the Google with you or you uh, just sipping your Coke by yourself <laughs> in a closet? So yesterday. First of all, Brandon's a Mountain Dew guy. Yeah, I know. Diet. I was, just, I was digging Diet at Mountain it. Well, Dew. I was digging. We, we only have Coke products at the office. So I, I do have to drink a Coke product. Um, Coke Zero. Yes. Sprite. Sprite is a Coke product. Yeah. A lot of sugar in it, though. They don't have Diet Sprite, so I don't drink it. Mm, yeah, because Diet Sprite would be nasty. <laughs> well, to each his own. Uh, yesterday was my wife's birthday, so I actually was home the first half of the day, and then so I didn't go into the office. However, if I was there, it would just be me sitting there in front of the TV watching because... Because nobody cares. Nobody cares, yeah. uh, like they do with the uh, Apple conferences. So... Uh, yeah, it was a pretty cool phone. A lot of the stuff you expect. I think the Samsung Galaxy S8 this year really set the tone for what the phones are looking like. And uh, Apple and Google followed suit. Big difference here is they're not charging starting at nine ninety nine for a phone. So it's a comparable, if not better, phone, in my opinion. And it starts at $649 for the uh, regular or $849. For the Pixel 2 XL. Now, it's asked, bigger. The Pixel 2 XL, I don't know if it's, I think it's always been bigger than iPhones yeah. Plus, but uh, the thing that really angered me, because you asked me before the show, will you get the Pixel 2? I'm undecided. I probably will end up, but I'm not in a huge rush because they did get rid of the headphone jack uh, and I run with my phone for music and stuff. And so, really, it's like I, I'm not ready to move to a headphone, a jackless, ja- a jackless phone until I also am able to invest in some uh, Bluetooth headphones, which they also announced for one sixty. Here's so a funny you, you part: actually, you actually don't like people make a big deal out of that, but the iPhone that's jackless also comes with an adapter that has an uh, a jack, so you can keep using the, your same headphones. It just has a little adapter that you you plug into the yeah, to the they, they may have an adapter. I don't know. But uh, I think eventually I'll move to wireless because I do hate running with a giant wire. A giant wire. <laughs> you make it sound my... like it's like a jump rope sized cord hey, that's going up from your pocket. When you're running and that thing's just flopping around, it feels like a giant jump rope. Okay. But uh, it was funny. You'll find this funny. When they announced it, their headphones and they operate and look very similar to Apple's. The only difference is they're actually connected. It goes around your neck like a little thread, and then into your ears, like many of the other Bluetooth headsets. But they, they do that so you can't lose them, or what? Or if you lose one, you lose both? Yeah, I don't know what the reasoning is. I know that's what most headphones are. Apple's different, where it's just the two tiny things, so it yeah. could just be so it's harder to lose. But then they announced the name, like, we're calling it uh, Pixel Buds, and people laughed in the audience. Because, like thinking he was making a joke? Yeah, oh, I think it was, it was so obvious that they're like, 
naming this after apples. Yeah. Uh, what do they call them? Airbuds. Yeah, I don't know, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Or is it AirPods? Airbuds. I don't know, but it's just that's not something you want to have. Like you're announcing a product, and then instead of like people clapping like they do at the Apple conference, people were laughing, um, which doesn't look great. Could, but, could be a part of the brand, right? But yeah, the big uh, my big problem is they pulled an Apple move and. The iPhone, sorry, the Pixel 2 XL has the bezel screen to yeah. where the edges are virtually gone. Yeah. Whereas the Pixel 2 normal size keeps the bezel that I have on my original Pixel. And it makes no sense because you look at them, they both have dual front firing speakers. Um, why? Like, the only explanation is this is their way of getting you to pay 200 bucks more for more screen real estate on your device. So you're saying they did the same thing as Apple. That's like something Apple would do. Like, where is it purely a money move? Like there's no reasoning behind why the pixel two couldn't have had the larger screen display. So I'm looking at the pixel two right now and it's not actually bezel-less. I mean, no, no phones actually bezel-less. Well, I, I just mean like uh, on the sides, it's very thin uh, and it, it doesn't wrap around a little bit. And then mm-hmm. on the top and bottom, there's still like, looks like half an inch of bezel. Yeah. That's how all the phones are. Mm. Let me pull up the new Apple X, the iPhone X. <laughs> it's very similar to uh, the Samsung Galaxy S8. But uh, yeah, that headphone jack really, no, wait, really hurts. Look at the iPhone X. It has a little, it has a little kind of cut out for the, the speaker where your ear goes. But everywhere else, it's like right is, up to the edge. There is a little bit uh, better edges on the iPhone 10. Honestly, I could care less because here's what people don't realize. Do they advertise that it's bezel-less? I don't think anyone ever says bezel-less. Yeah, I guess Like we true, say huh? it, but they like reduced type stuff. But I always called it a bevel. A bevel? Yeah, my bad. Yeah, come on. But... Uh, what people don't realize is, like, if you're watching videos, it's not like the video is going to take up the whole real estate unless the actual video is exported in a new format that's much wider. It, you're just going to see black on the edges. Like, when you're watching YouTube videos, because they're still made for that kind of 1080p, uh, whatever the exact dimensions are, it's still going to look the same. So, really, the only difference is like your menu options and stuff like that. Yeah. See how huge that is? It's ridiculous. That be- that bezel? And even on my it's current huge. my current phone, I don't know where it is. Yeah, where'd that go? <laughs> Who knows? Oh, it's under here. You got a giant bezel on the bottom. Oh, yeah. They didn't even, it looks like they didn't even reduce the bezel. Yeah. Yeah. They kept it. Like, there's no reason. So what's the, what's the difference? Is it bigger? No. The, diff- the Pixel well, 2? From the, from this Pixel? It's all like the internal. Oh my features. bad! I was I, sorry. I was looking at the Pixel Two, not the XL. So, uh, the XL does it does have a lot smaller bevel. Sorry, bezel. <laughs> uh. my bad. Yeah, their user experience. Oh, dude, they have a picture of the iPhone on their Google Pixel Two page about switching over. Yeah. Yep. A little jab at, little jab at Apple. Yeah. Okay. So that's a pixel. Was there anything else worth talking about? Um, I think uh, in terms of marketing, 
it's uh, kind of back to the whole a AI slash augmented reality. So, so they, just they do that as well. So it has the built-in augmented reality. And tell me uh, this: Does the camera automatically pick up QR codes? I would imagine because now it automatically picks up like whatever you're looking at. Yeah, which I think is cool. What does that mean? So like if you're looking at the Eiffel Tower, it knows it's the Eiffel it, Tower. It'll tell you the Eiffel Tower and give you information about it. Oh, so you don't need no stinking QR code. Yeah, that's right. They're going ahead. That's like the big thing. Like that's the theme that. No one saw this, but as you said that, you padded your your. The big pixel. theme with Google's phones is typically people are looking at software and hardware, um, whereas Google is trying to take the shift towards AI, everything. They're not as focused on, like, design and hardware because they feel the power is in AI. That's why they don't have dual cameras like you see on the iPhone because their theory is you don't need two cameras. We have software that allows you to get the same exact effect, if not better, through smart AI and uh, good, solid software. So less hardware you have to have on your phone. So that's, AI, that's, that's interesting because I think I don't think that is a, a question of technology or being more advanced. I think it's, a, I think it's a, a, an element of their target audience, right? So I think Apple, with their photography, is going more traditional, meaning more like they're they're looking for photographers to use their phone as their like their equipment right to substitute their their really expensive DSLR. cameras yeah their yeah. DSLR cameras for the iPhone and once you start taking out the lenses and start using software that's a whole nother skill set right people mm-hmm. people being able to manipulate or use the software interface rather than understanding how lenses work uh, it, it feels more professional and traditional on the iPhone, whereas from Google saying we, it's in our software feels more like a cop out to those photographers, if that makes sense. Yeah. Not, I, I think the non photographers are probably like, yeah, who cares? I'll use the software. That's great. Uh, but the traditional photographers, the more professionals who you know want that, I think that it's more of a target audience thing rather than a, a technology advancement thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a marketing thing. If you want to look at specs, the Pixel, the original Pixel and the iPhone 7, in virtually every test, the Pixel actually outperformed the iPhone's camera in both video and photo. But Apple does an amazing job at really pushing that this is for photographers, and it works. And I think that lens, because you learn that when you're learning about filmmaking, is uh, try to get as much of it with the hardware and then software afterwards. If you try to rely on software for color correction and whatnot, it's not going to look as good. And maybe Apple understands that and they say, yeah, it's going to look the same as the Pixel or these one things, but our photographers respect having more yeah, hardware think, for yeah, the cameras. That could be I, true. Took, I yeah. took photography classes in college and it was all always about try to capture as much as you can within the hardware and do as little as you can with the software. Yeah, it's 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 an art. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So photographers who are like, I mean, I, I don't want to. I'm probably like generalizing a little too much here. But photographers, first of all, are never going to replace their professional cameras. Like, like they're not going to like wedding photographers aren't going to throw out their DSLR cameras and start using their iPhones to start taking wedding pictures. But in their personal use at home you know, capturing pictures of their kids or their new car or their food, 
I think the, the, the iPhone probably appeals to them a little bit more. But here's where they do go after photographers. With the Pixel, you get unlimited storage on your phone for all of your videos and photos. It can't be full. on your phone. Was that? You mean on like the cloud? It backs up to the cloud automatically, yeah. yes. Which is unlimited. cool. Yeah, that's cool. So that gets photographers who uh, love taking photos. But yeah, I think the AI, or not necessarily the AI, but the augmented reality, um, I'm starting to lean. We talked about this before, which is going to take off VR. It's got to be AR, AR man. AR has got to go. It's got to. The AR is pretty cool. I mean, they were showing like a kid who was just holding the camera up and they were building Legos with virtual Legos, uh, making it however they wanted, connecting them with their phone. Uh, no stepping on Legos, no messes, but it looked super fun. And that's that type of shared experience still isn't really there in the virtual reality. Yeah. I mean, virtual reality, you can't move. you got to stay in the same spot. You, you'll run yep. into walls, into furniture. With augmented reality, you can create new experiences and environments without the risk of cracking your head open. Yep. So, I mean, it has to. It's more accessible. Anyway. So that's the that's the big Google Google it's a big Google conference announcements new Pixel two I'll be excited to see it if you end up getting would you get the XL or the normal I don't know you got to get the XL if you're gonna upgrade yeah same thing everything else is the same no one's getting the iPhone eight man everyone's waiting for the X <laughs> that's the thing like I'm not a, I'm not really big on like the plus sized phones I, I'm not either but the cool thing about the iPhone X is that the hardware itself like the phone itself is the same size almost. It's a tiny bit bigger than the current, like, 7. Uh, but the screen is bigger than the pluses. Yeah. So you have the uh, the bigger screen but the smaller phone. I love – I think that is awesome. Yeah. Okay, so so that is uh, – that's Google. Okay. We want to talk a little bit about open office spaces. Yes, and I have some sincere questions for you guys. I love that. John, you are in an open office environment. I am. Are you, Brandon? Yes. Me too. So there was a video that you said has been trending on YouTube. I want to say just one thing, and then I'll hand it over to you about you know these really, really pressing questions you have. <laughs> this video that's been going around, what's it called anyway? Do you know? Um, it's from Vox. Oh, yeah, Vox. Vox. It's called Open Offices Are Overrated by yes. Vox. So basically the main message here is that open off offices today are overrated. They go through the history of open offices saying that they, they had open offices as early as the late 1700s. And, uh, and then they had the really famous architect. What's his name? Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, Frank Lloyd Wright, who's, who's more famous for designing homes. But he also did uh, – he was kind of the open office – guy back in the 1940s who designed uh, the first modern-day open office. But back then, there was a lot more thought put into the open office spaces to make it more proficient, whereas today's open office spaces is more about efficiency in uh, cost savings and uh, getting as many, cramming as many people as possible into a small space rather than, you know, giving them space and creating an environment where they can thrive. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the main message is they say open offices are overrated. I think the message is today they're overrated. What we need to do is figure out how to take them back to how they were in the 1940s uh, when it was designed specifically to enhance and help employees uh, 
perform. Anyway, go ahead, Brandon. Uh, well, my question to you guys, I guess, to start the conversation on that is, are you happy with your current workspace? So not saying do you approve or disapprove of open office spaces, but your specific workspace at Vivint, do you feel, yes, this is a great work environment or no, there's a lot of things I hate. I like it. You like it overall. Yeah. I My desk is right next to a big fat window that overlooks uh, the the mountains to the east. I'm down in, in the river woods. It's like a really, really beautiful open location. And uh, we kind of have, we kind of have a, the problem with, with open office, particularly that I've experienced anywhere is that uh, people are never hesitant to grab you or interrupt you or talk to you or ask you questions or ask you to do something or whatever. And uh, we just kind of have to set boundaries in what we did. And in fact, I started this at my last job at Myriad Genetics. What we did was uh, basically if I had my headphones on, then you send me a message and, and I can get to it whenever. You don't, you don't inter- like I do not want to have to take my headphones off. But if my headphones are, are off, then you can come up and talk to me. And that's kind of like, the signal. So as long as you have boundaries and you set these boundaries with like visual cues, whether it's you put up a sign, you know, you have your little figurine on a certain spot on your desk or you have your headphones on, as long as you have set boundaries that people abide by, I think open offices can, can, uh, you can perform in an open office as if you have privacy or your own office. But to answer your question, yes, I'm, I'm happy with my current work station. And are you happy, John, with your work station at 97th floor? Because they're also an open office. They are. I hated it at 97th floor, actually. But go ahead, John. It's really quiet at 97th floor. Because you're also a row yeah. company. And a so row. it seems like 10% of the staff is actually in the office. So you're saying it's very quiet. Yeah, it's quiet. So like, I feel awkward almost. Like I can never take a phone call at my desk. I would always step out of the entire office before taking a phone call. Cause otherwise the whole company can hear what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah, and you don't want that. I know. Is your and environment quiet yeah. at Vivint? It, it, it has its, uh, ebbs and flows. Yeah, it does. Sometimes it's quiet. Sometimes it's not, but I have the type of personality that I don't care if people hear me on a phone, I'll put on speaker and I'll just <laughs> freaking belt out my conversation and everyone can listen if they want. Nice. Yeah. So, mine's quiet. Too. I like, I like the setup. Like, Sitting there, most of my team sits pretty close to me, so it's good for collaboration, just quick questions, and just just talking in general. It's nice to, like, you know, get up and have a conversation. I do not like the geographic location of my office, though. I hate being out at Lehigh. It just because of the traffic or what? Traffic. It's just so tell me, it's, it's tell not me that this, pretty. Tell me this. Yeah, it's not. Tell me this. You guys now have a system where you can reserve desk space? Yeah. It's, What's uh, that about? Uh, it's been a weird little open table. Of is that what it's called? No. So what had happened was we got rid of all of the private offices. We used to have like two for Wayne and Paxton, our CEO and director of growth and everything. Anyways, he's not a director anymore. No, he's what VP of operations, something like that. Yeah. So wait, they don't have offices anymore. Paxton still does, but Wayne does not. So they for a while they got rid of. All seating, because before people kind of had their spots, you know, but now it's like, okay, it's open seating. Anyone can sit anywhere. Um, Good luck. And you have to get rid of all your office decorations. So we had a writer who had tons of little figurines, and he was not happy about that. 
But Foss? Anyway, yeah. Did, Foss. did most people just go back to their seats? Yeah. I think <laughs> maybe a couple of people, you know, went and tried something else. But Well, here's the thing with that is even if you want to, like, you're like, yeah, I want to try some other seats. You get there and you take their seat and, and someone's going to be like pissed. Yeah, yeah. Be like, I, like I logically <laughs> understand that that's not my seat anymore, but I still hate your guts. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so that brewed bad blood for a while. So what they did is they said, okay, we're going to um, select certain tables and make them reserve seats so that people can have that spot there for the people that tend to go to the office the most. And so they reserve like four or five tables kind of along the windows. And then all the inside stuff is just come and go, whoever. And so anyways, they set up these reserved uh, desks. And a couple of people didn't see the notification in time. And so people who usually sat at their normal spots by the window, whatever, especially on our table, it got disrupted fast. And so Because you're in a coveted spot or what? Yeah, our table is close. And so luckily my spot was still open even though I missed the notification. So... I was able to snag my same spot and not have to worry about it. But, um, yeah, a few Why people would they got do that? booted. What, what's the point? What, what were they trying to accomplish? I, I don't know, really. They didn't, it didn't, they didn't specify in the notification that they sent out? I mean, I think it's to, for people who like to be in the office, have that same spot. They can set up their stuff again. Yeah, I think that's what it's going for. But it's weird because it's mixed up the teams a little bit. So, I mean, we have people coming across the whole entire office space to ask a question to their, you know, campaign manager or something. And then they go back. Whereas before they used to just all be together. And so for, for my team, at least we've lost a couple of spots to other people. And so, uh, my, one of my writers is sits wherever, and that's annoying for her. And one of our other marketers, I just, and especially our intern, they just got booted to the woods and I just kind of feel bad for them. I'm like, you know, I can't even talk to her. So. I'd be I'd be interested to know what that what that the story is behind that. That sounds like counter counter to what Roe is. You know, it's like do whatever you want as long as you get results, but don't sit there. You can't sit there. <laughs> no, don't sit there either. You can sit anywhere else, but not there. I think it's just growing pains. We're we're growing, and uh, yeah, they're trying to figure it out. So at least they're they're switching it up. They're trying new things. So, so we'll see so how long what, it lasts. That's what it is. Is they they ran out of seats assigned seats even though 90 percent of the seats were never sat in anyway yeah okay they still play music yeah it's uh it's elevator music elevator music they switch it would up you say that helps yeah but it's so quiet still because that's like the biggest complaint myself and pretty much most of this administrative set staff at dev mountain have is any current space that we're in it's open office um but it's just dead quiet and, and it's so quiet that it's like awkward to start a conversation with the person next to you. Hey, Niall, did you get that PPC paid? The whole office looks <laughs> at you. And then now you're like performing almost. That was um, like the opposite of Moses. Instead of parting with you, you just like yeah, combined just, it. All the eyeballs on you. But yeah, it just makes it awkward versus like even when there's white noise, like if the AC's on, uh, it just makes it feel like your conversation is between you and the person next to you. And so that's my... I guess my question was, yeah, if you were in that situation and you had control, would you propose music? Because then it's, well, what music? No one can agree on music. And I guess we kind of faced similar thing at 90 Cent Floor with uh, music selection. Yeah. But I don't know. So we actually do have speakers. They were installed only around our section. And it's hooked up to 
a computer that's kind of in the corner and they have uh, Spotify set up. And then it's just a playlist that can be shared and then anyone can contribute to it. And it's just like, it's like a jukebox. It just like randomizes everything and just plays the music as, as it, we don't do it that often. It's kind of like a Friday afternoon thing, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it, I, it's not, it's never, it's never too quiet to where it's like, you know, you hear the crickets chirping. Yeah. Know? That's how it is. Ugh. Where I am, which too quiet is just. I think yeah, it has to do bad. with the size, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like there are, we don't have rows, so there are a lot of people in, and our group only has a section of that part of the building, but we also have some, you know, some dev, uh, biz dev guys over there and some IT guys and some, we have some designers kind of over there. So at any given time, there's usually something happening that's, you know, people talking or anyway. So it's not like this small space with, you know, mm-hmm. 20 people. Anyways. Yeah, and it was interesting. I saw that uh, trending because I think, uh, yeah, a lot of times it does just come down to the business is trying to save some money rather than create. I kind of like the idea of open office spaces, but uh, almost like department by department. If it was just me and my marketing team in a smaller room that's open, I think we would all talk way more versus when we're talking about marketing things, then you have like other department heads who are in the room listening in. You just feel awkward because yeah. sometimes it's like a concern about what another department is doing. Yeah, that's what Slack is for. Yeah, well, that's so what... You can, so that's you can what, talk behind their back. Yeah, yeah, that's what's awkward is it's dead quiet. And I want to be like, did you get that page done? Instead, I Slack, did you get that page done? And that person's probably like, dude, I'm right here. I'm two feet from you and you're slacking me. <laughs> that's true. I do. So it's just a lose-lose situation. Yeah, well, yeah. Anyway. not for everybody. Okay, so that's open offices. I, I, I want to do one last thing before we close out the show. Uh, I want to I play a game that you guys have probably heard of, but I'm putting a marketing spin on it. Nice. It's called Would You Rather. Ooh. I love this game. Do you? Yep. Play it all the time. Give wow. me an example of uh, one of the things, one yeah, of the Would You Rathers one. that you like. Usually it's like weird things like, would you rather uh, stand in a pool of diarrhea up to your neck while... John here throws a bucket of his own vomit towards your face and your mouth is forced to be open. <laughs> or would you rather jump off a 12-foot ledge butt naked onto a bed of cacti? Lose, <laughs> <laughs> lose stuff like that. <laughs> that was disgusting, Brandon. I had to come up with something on top of my well. head. <laughs> Do I need to like mark this as explicit now? Because <laughs> that is foul. My bad. We can cut this out if we need to. Holy cow. Okay. Well, this isn't anything like that. But uh, this is called Marketing Would You Rather. Brandon and John, would you rather risk pissing people off with an exit overlay? You guys know what an exit overlay is? Like when you're about to leave a page, it says, wait. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like you don't have, it's just like your cursor leaves yeah, yeah. the square of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So would you rather. Risk pissing people off with an exit overlay or risk having interested users leave without taking action? Um, the first. So you would. You would put an overlay. Yeah. Does Dev Mountain have an overlay? We've experimented, um, not with an overlay per se, but pop-ups at the bottom. So if it detects that it's about to leave, it'll pop up with a question via hot jar on random things. What's the trigger? The trigger is if they... If their cursor leaves the yeah, screen. Yeah, I don't know how they determine that, but yeah, it's if the user's has okay, exit so, intent. Okay, so you would rather risk pissing people off. John? Yes. Yeah, piss people off. Same? Yep. Okay. 
Would you rather have to work with a dial-up connection for a week or have to work on a project with your office enemy for a week? Dial-up. Really? I think it's because we're pretty much on dial-up, even though we're on Google Fiber. It's so bogged down there. It feels like dial-up sometimes. That is so hilarious. Does that mean that you have an office enemy? I don't have an office enemy. But if there's someone I disliked, You'd rather have the slow connection? I would connection. rather just work slowly on my own. So uh, I'm pulling this from an infographic, and it uh, this is actual, like they did the survey, so it shows which ones they chose over the other. And uh, more people uh, picked pissing people off with an X overlay. What about you, John? What about the, would you rather have a slow dial-up connection or work with your office enemy? I would do the frenemy. The f- oh, it's not a frenemy, my man. I it's, would, a, it's an enemy. I would make it's him the a frenemy. devil. My mother always said, kill him with kindness. Yeah. So he would take the second one. That's right. So uh, the survey, overwhelmingly, more people would take the office enemy over the slow internet connection. Yeah, man. Dial-up's the worst. (laughs) Okay. Would you rather double your email open rate or double your blog traffic? Um, I would rather double my email open rate. Yeah? Email. Email. Tell me why. Why wouldn't you double your blog traffic? It's because your traffic is so low doubling it would still be low? Um, I, I just view, or speaking from a general perspective, email opens are probably better, more higher quality user intent than someone visiting my blog. Okay. That's my thinking. Yeah, I get that. Thinking. Uh, more people would pick the blog traffic. More really? people did pick the blog traffic. A lot of idiots You're out right. there. That's, That's true. Right. That's what I'm thinking. That's yeah. so funny, yeah. Yeah, I, I would also pick the, I would double my open my email open rate. I just feel like people who are opening emails have already seen the blog. They've already converted. They're already deeper in the funnel. Okay, that's yeah, that's a good way to put it. Although, if you double your blog traffic, you also likely double the number of subscribers you have. Unless it's like program. a blog post, 10 things I hate about you, you know? Yeah, that's, that's maybe. <laughs> would you rather explain why CRO is important to your boss or explain your job to your grandmother? CRO. To your boss? Yep. Yeah? It's more fun. It's more fun. John? I'd agree with that. Well, why is that more fun? Your grandma's not fun to talk to? I mean, Trying that's, to explain what you do? Basically, this is this is like saying, would you rather put together a report to explain why, you're, why you need CRO to your boss to get budget, or would you rather have a nice conversation with your grandmother talking about what you, you do for a living? Mm, yeah, I'd take the CRO. <laughs> <laughs> that... <laughs> Uh, most people selected that one as well. CRO? Yep. Good. Yep. Smart people out there. Yeah. They're getting smarter. <laughs> oh, man. Would you rather send PPC traffic to your homepage Ooh. or send an embarrassing email to your team? <laughs> so apparently sending traffic to your homepage is a bad thing. <laughs> sending PPC traffic to your homepage is a bad thing. And the alternative was an embarrassing email to your team. Uh, I'd take the PPC traffic to the homepage. Yeah. Is that because it's not my money? It's because there's no accountability over there. No one's going to be like, Brandon, what are you doing? You suck at your job. Yeah. Okay. What about you, John? I did the PPC. Yeah. Most people chose that one as well. Uh, would you rather work on a project you hate that performs really well or work on a project that you love that flops? Flops. Yeah. Yep. Why? Because otherwise I'll just hate my job. That's like, it's the same question as, would you rather have a job that pays a lot, but you hate it, or a job you love, but you don't make a lot of money? 
So you would choose. I would not pick make the one I love that does make a lot of money. This I, I don't think that this compares to that at all. I you think know? it does. This, this is a project, not your job. This is one project. You could love your job, and most people that love their job, they have a to six do month things. Project. See, that's that's getting into the weeds. We don't know if you love your job do, do on I, either one. Okay, you love your job. Okay, and how long is this project for? Uh, it's a month. <laughs> how much more am I getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same. You get paid the same. Uh-huh. It has nothing to do with your job. I don't know. I don't know. You guys keep bringing up job. This is project. I would you, do the flop. You would do the flop. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Why? That makes no sense. Do you have any pride in the work that you do? Yeah. Passion. Yeah. You know what would happen? Think about your. Do you care what your boss thinks, man? Or the the driving the business forward? Is it? A job that I hate or a job I'm not passionate about? It doesn't about. matter. You choose whatever you want, okay? If it's a job I hate, then I'll do that one if it's successful because then at the end of the year, you can point back to a successful ROI on something. But if it's something I'm not passionate about... Just think about your current job. I don't know why you guys are making up all these qualifying <laughs> questions. Like, your current <laughs> job, your current job, Dev Mountain, 97th floor, think about it. Would you rather do a project that you hate that's super, super successful, or would you rather do a project that you love and it flops? I guess I'll switch to the first. Okay, so you'd rather take a project that you're not super passionate about, you don't really love it, but it succeeds. If it's a month-long project, yeah, I'd do it. Okay, you guys are freaking crazy. <laughs> I would also choose that because the performance, the, 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 the super good performance is satisfying in and of itself. Because if I'm doing something I love and then it flops, dude, that looks terrible. That looks terrible. <laughs> okay. Do you guys want to keep going with this? Sure. I can do a couple more. Okay. Redeem myself after that last one. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow, Brandon. Would you rather have your agency team make a mistake and quickly solve it but not share the details with you or have your agency team reach out to you right away and admit to the mistake and propose a plan of action? Uh, the second. Yeah. John, I'd like to be the second just because you like visibility. Fun fact, John is my agency. (laughs) So write that down. (laughs) So, John, did you get that? Yeah. We talked about some issues we were having today. Oh, man. Okay. uh, So you you would never want them to uncover something and then just solve it and and never talk to you about it. Uh, I'd like them to mention it. I think it earns uh, trust. Yeah. Transparency Transparency is a big thing to me. I may agree with that. Would you rather receive individual updates every time something changes with your program or received batch updates, batched updates so that you can have group actions? What what do you mean program? Like a software I'm subscribed to? No, no, no. Let's say say your your project, like this project that you hate doing. Like updates from team members? Yeah, from team members. Would you like individual updates? Like they're like... Hey, this this just like micro updates rather than macro updates. Like, if if they have ten things on their to do list and they group them into five things, they give you the five things. Would you want the five things or the ten individual things? Um, I guess I'll take the group. Yeah, I'd take the group. Yeah, I think I would too. Would you rather have a clear roadmap that you and your agency team stick to no matter what, or uh, assess the program regularly to determine where shifts may need to be made? Uh, the second. John? I'd go with shifts. Yeah? Yep. Oh, this is starting to get a little boring, I think. All right, let's do two more. Maybe three more. Three more, okay? 
Uh, would you rather find small ways to incorporate creative elements into your marketing or strive to put out the most innovative and creative marketing around? So in other words, would you rather have a lot of small things to drive your business or few big things? I'm going to go with a few big things. Sexier. Yeah. So gotta, bigger campaigns. You got to do a big unveil of a campaign versus a lot of little stuff you don't get credit for. <laughs> do you think that the stress levels are different? Um, I think it's more stressful to get out little bits no of good things. No way. Because then you can shift. If one fails, then you The organization is like chaos because there's so many little things going on. Why a bunch of mini what? projects versus like one big quarterly project. No, that's not the, the thing. They both work. That's not the thing. I'm saying a bunch of little things that are successful are a few. Uh, sorry, a lot of little things that are successful are a few big things that are successful. And they're equally as successful? Yeah. I would still take the big things. Because it sounds like e- less easier? work. No, it's more, it sounds more organized to me. Wow. Wow. That's because telling. you're like planned two, three months ahead of we're launching this in July. What if you're planned two, three months ahead for the little things? Yeah. That's a lot of planning. Why is it a lot of planning? <laughs> no, dude, the little projects take less time to plan. The big projects take more time to plan. That's the whole thing. It's the mental switch in my head of going from topic to topic to topic. Okay. If I could just digest four topics a year versus 52, I'll take the four. Yeah? Yep. But don't you... Hey, don't, you asked. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I know I asked. But but then you say it's more stressful to do the 52. Wouldn't you say it's more stressful if because the, the odds of one of four things going wrong is way higher? I don't think so. No? The odds uh. of those 52 things going wrong... There's, there's way more weight put on each of the four things. Rather yeah, than but the 52. because we're so organized and planned ahead. So you're just like, this is all in your imagination. You're just adding certain, like, <laughs> we're so organized. Why would organization be any different from four to 52? Would you be happy if I picked the smaller ones? I'm not trying. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm trying to understand the choice that you made. Well. That's the best insight I can give you. <laughs> what about you, John? So I'm gonna agree with Brandon, but here's why. I love taking on big strategy, big creative campaigns. I think that's super fun, super interesting, and that's what really fuels me. So I would go for the big projects. Okay. Would you rather experience a steady increase in results over an extended period of time or see a huge influx of results based on a few large campaigns? Just like the same thing? Yeah. All right. Let's skip that one. Would you rather work with a team that follows the direction that you provide without question? Or engage with an agency partner that may provide pushback or bring other ideas to the table. Uh, the second one. Wow, Brandon is so bored. <laughs> I I do pushback. You do pushback? Yeah. Well, <laughs> this I guess it's this is agency question, focused. Though. Is it? Because like one is, would you rather have an agency that just obeys and you just say do this and they do it? Or would you rather have an agency that like pushes back if they disagree? Push back with a disagree, but then you're going to have those times where you are passionate about a certain idea, and in your head, that is the way to do it, and it could rub you the wrong way if the agency is like, that's not the way to do it, and your thought is, well, I'm invested in this. You're not. You're an agency. Yeah. You're also thinking about 10 other different people. I mean, it kind of works that way anyway, right? Like, even if they do engage and push back and bring other ideas to the table, 
the client has the last say, right? So yeah. if, if Brandon, if you're like, hey, I want to do this cool billboard about dads and stuff, which by the way, how did that billboard perform? What billboard? The one about uh, father in law. Yeah, we've got. We just get the social comments saying it's a sexist billboard. It needs to be taken down. Oh, so it's successful. Sure. Yeah. Creates engagement online. That's good. They reached out to us. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So Brandon, you you are talking. You want to? You're like, listen, John. I want to. I know John doesn't do your billboard stuff, but John, I want to do a billboard about uh, father-in-laws. You know, about asking permission to marry their daughter. I don't remember. Is that what it was? Start a career your father-in-law would approve of. Oh yeah. So there's that connotation about about you know marriage or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so he comes to you and says, hey, I want to do this thing on, on father-in-laws. And you're like, that's a terrible idea. You should do one about uh, this being a one-stop shop for career management, blah, blah, blah. You push back on that idea. I mean, w- what are you going to do if Brandon's like, no, let's do the father-in-law thing? So first of all, I wouldn't do a terrible billboard like you suggested. That would not be my <laughs> the idea. The one-stop shop career yeah, management? Career, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, you, you, yeah. Okay, so what would you do? Tell me. Well, I would say, okay, that's a cool idea. No, we- pause real quick. I want to hear your billboard suggestion. I had literally less than one second to think of one. <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear your billboard suggestion right now. Just code it. <laughs> what is this? A play on Nike? <laughs> hey, just code it. That's right. right. Yeah, that one's probably better. Okay, so you would say that's a great idea. Keep going. I would say. That's a great idea. Hey, can we offer some extra suggestions and play around with the idea, see if we yeah. can come up with something better? Yeah, and you say, just code it. Brandon, how do you respond to that? I say, that doesn't sound like you think it's a great idea. Just tell me you think it sucks, and I'll respect you more. <laughs> no, I like the idea. I just think, <laughs> let's get creative, man. Hey, I got no skin in this game. I'll take that, sure. I like pushback. So You do like pushback. So he comes back and says... Let's not do father-in-law stuff. Let's do, let's play off of Nike and we'll, we'll put like a fun little swoosh in there, but, but it's, it's, it's out of code. Yeah. It's out of like back. It, yeah. It's out of code. It's like matrix green letters and stuff. Just code it. And you'd say, you'd say, okay. Well, I would probably, I wouldn't like be okay right then. I'd say, let me think about it. And if I had pushback right then, I would say, well, here's why I don't like that. Do you like just code it? Uh, not off the top of my head not a bad one actually for two seconds yeah thinking what's that you're, I, you're gonna see just code on one of these down billboards just code it. or how about eat more code eat more code what's the uh oh got milk got yep. code that one's been done a lot yeah. and everything though yeah you don't want to do yeah, that that's lame. just code i'll run it by the uh lawyers and if they just approve, code it if they approve it you'll you'll make a billboard just code I'll put it, it right Let's, by 97th floor's office i would man that would give me something <laughs> That would be. Yeah. I'll pitch it uh, next week. Will you? The team. You swear. You, I swear. When? Really? What day are you going to pitch it? Uh, Thursday. Okay. So Ooh. next next week. Next episode. Next episode. Let's let's talk through how they responded <laughs> to just code it. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, would you like us to do a little brainstorming for uh, for billboards on future episodes? Sure. And if you're listening and you like a billboard idea for your company. Go ahead and email us at inbound at belowthefold.io. Actually, if you have an idea for Dev Mountain, <laughs> let's uh, yeah email us. We'll discuss it on the show. Brandon will take it to his lawyer friends over there, at Dev Mountain, and if it gets approved, we'll send you some Below the Fold swag. Swag, and we have good swag. Mm. 
It's real good. Fuzzy mitten. Maybe we'll send you the roulette table that we had built, <laughs> custom built. Yeah, what are we going to do with this thing? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay, that's really all the time we have. Uh, let's close up shop. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd encourage and invite you to leave a review on iTunes. You can also reach out. We invite you to do so. You can email us at inbound at belowthefold.io. Alternatively, you can reach out on Twitter at belowthefold.io. That's it. Until next week, we'll catch you below the fold. That's a wrap. Kit Kat. <laughs>